I think most of you are aware that our women had a little get-together this weekend. The Women's Conference celebrated its 10th year, and I know that we have a lot of guests uh, remained over from that. Uh, Our tradition at Northside has become uh, that I kind of recap Women Walking with God Conference on the Sunday after and uh, talk about what went on and recognize a few people in some way. uh, I know we've got a lot of guests here from it, and I know we've got a lot of tired volunteers here uh, from it. Uh, let you in on a, in a little inside secret here. I get two sets of instructions about this Sunday. Uh, one set of instructions says, tell us all about it. Uh, the men say, we didn't get to go. We'd like to know what went on. Uh, others, women were not able to go, and they want to know what happened, so, so show us pictures and tell us all about it and recount everything and all of that. The other instruction I get is, we've got guests here every year, and many of them are the same guests. My family comes or something, and, and you get up there, and all you do is praise Northside women and brag about our women here. Well, that's not seemly. You shouldn't do that. You should just preach a plain old sermon. I told Toby it was hard to be a preacher. You know? <laughs> I get those two sets of instructions. Obviously, they're not compatible. Uh, so I thought on the 10th anniversary that we'd just have a vote today and decide what you wanted. <laughs> no, we're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know better than that. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> we'll see if we can make both camps happy just a little bit, perhaps. Uh, I will say a few things about the conference to start. Uh, every year I could say this, it's the best ever. Uh, the feedback tells us that this was the best one ever. And every year it seems like that was the best one ever. I don't know an exact count. I'm sure we had a record number. Uh, had between 1450 and 1500 tickets sold. Uh, how many of them showed and how many extras came and all that, we're not sure yet, but uh, obviously a, a record number. Uh, the whole setup, I think, was the most impressive I've ever seen. Uh, the stage builders and the decorators and everything just outdid themselves again. Uh, Probably the most interesting thing to me, or the most impressive thing to me, since I've been through nine conferences before, watching from the background, uh, a lot of people come up to me, a lot of women come up and ask me questions or tell me things or uh, tell me they want this corrected or here's a suggestion or whatever. I'm pretty sure, I know, this is the first year that I got nothing but positive. I didn't get a negative. And I talked to a lot of them. Uh, they would come by and ask a question, and I'd ask them how they're enjoying it. What's your favorite? What was the best? And all I got all weekend was positive stuff. That, that, that's a significant thing. Um, I'd like to convey the whole spirit of conference somehow if I could. Uh, this year they produced a 10th anniversary video, 
And I think it does a pretty good job. So I'm going to ask the sound booth to show that at this time. And those of you that weren't there yesterday can kind of get the, the, the flavor of what 10 years of conference have been about. So, Ray, if you'd show that, please. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. In 2006, we brought to God our five loaves and two small fish and asked him to multiply that. Today, we celebrate what he has chosen to do because women were determined to walk with God by faith and not by sight. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. We believed that he was who he said he is, and we believed that he would do what he said he could do. He has empowered and provided for us exceedingly beyond what we could have asked or imagined. Cast your nets aside and join the battle tide. He will be your guide to make you fishers of mist. We knew that as his children, he had uniquely created women to exercise their gifts to build the kingdom. Our intent was to see personal needs of women filled because they were hungry for the bread of life. The purpose was to see women return home and be the difference that was needed in homes, family, community, and the workplace. To experience then the joy and hope that is in Jesus Christ. We saw women walking with God as an opportunity to be that light on a hill, not hidden under a bushel. The mission has always been to provide a means for women to draw closer to God and closer to one another to strengthen relationships by connecting women of faith in the community and reaching out to others who might be in spiritual need. The Lord has done this thing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Today we're rejoicing and glad in it. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of I've said for years, if we could know all of the stories that come from women walking with God, how women are affected and what happens when they go back to families and homes and all of that, we would be amazed. We would know every moment of volunteer time and uh, effort was worth it. Uh, this year, the management team put in the booklet a page that said, Tell us your women walking with God story. And right before I came in here this morning, uh, one of the management team handed me a few of them and said, You might want to look through these. There's some good stories in there. I said, I would love to. <laughs> I don't have time, but I'd love to. Read them all. So I thought, Well, I'll just scan the first couple before I get up there, and this will do it, the first couple. One says, this is my third time to attend Women Walking with God. I had heard of the conference and thought, that's nice, but I didn't know what the big deal was. 
Three years ago, I decided I'm going. And I invited some other ladies from our congregation. We had a few the first year, and next year we had a couple of others. This year we had 18. Last year, there was such a heavy burden on my heart. My daughter wouldn't speak to me and had moved with her daughter to another town. My heart was broken. This year, we are at the conference together. God chose to answer my prayer for reconciliation. Another one says, I've been to all ten conferences, and I'm so refreshed in the Lord from the speakers and the singing. It all started with the first conference. Elaine Denman spoke, and then she goes and recounts in detail a story that Elaine told in her speech. And she told how that stuck in her mind and how she remembered it. And she said then one week later, since she was from Greensburg, the EF5 tornado struck their town and basically destroyed it. She said the days after that and all the years since, Elaine's message, remember that God sees the bigger picture, has blessed me, has gotten me through it. One part of one message ten years ago. Uh, multiply that by ten years and thousands of women each year, and uh, you see the effect that it's had. Um, it's an amazing production, and we have so many talented women here that I can't recognize adequately in any way. Uh, but I do want to thank them and let the rest of you know uh, that conference is a big deal. Uh, I sat down to select a scripture for today's sermon that I hadn't used before maybe and be new and different way of thinking about the service that our women provide, and a lot of men too, by the way. Uh, and I was reading Philippians 2 that was read for you just a moment ago, and something in there struck me that, I mean, I'd seen it a million times, but it never really hit me the way it did this time. Uh, you know in that verse, the Apostle Paul said, make my joy complete. And the thought struck me, you know, we like to make people happy. Oh, we like to please our children. We like to please our spouses. We like to please our coworkers, our bosses. We like to make them happy. This is an apostle saying, here's how to make me happy. I mean, we know we want to please the Lord. We say that real easily. That rolls off the tongue. I just want to please the Lord. But take that down just a notch or two and think, how do you make an apostle happy? Well, Paul tells us. And then I got thinking, well, John told us too. And since I only got a limited time, I didn't search for any others, but that might be a good study sometime. How do you make an apostle happy? Let's start with John in Third John and verse 4. John told us how to make him happy. John said, the best thing in my life, I have no greater joy. Now, this is the guy that traveled with Jesus. He was his best friend. He was the one that Jesus loved. He knew Jesus' life story. He saw him crucified. He saw him raised. He saw him ascended back to heaven. He saw all of that, but many, many years later, he wrote to other Christians that were still knew him, and he said... This is my greatest joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
And when I thought of that, I thought, well, that's one of the secrets to conference. Uh, that one, that's one reason conference works and does what it does. And as a side benefit, it makes the apostle happy. <laughs> conference was started 10 years ago uh, to meet a need. There were some big women's events were kind of in vogue. And uh, women of faith and lots of other ones were popping up around. And they were interesting. A lot of our women were going to them. And they got some good Bible teaching, and they got some entertainment, and some shopping, and some girlfriend time, and some of that. And a lot of women really liked that. But when they went, one thing our women found out was everything wasn't always exactly true to the Word. And it bothered them a little bit. They enjoyed it, but you really couldn't invite friends and neighbors and all that. Uh, so somebody had the idea. I know who, by the way. A couple of women said, what if we produced a first-class event like that that the women of the church could be comfortable with inviting their friends and neighbors and come hear the truth and enjoy all the other things that go with such a conference? Well, that's how it started. Uh, they decided to give women more than just a concert and a little bit of Bible-sounding stuff thrown in. They decided that there would be Bible teaching every year. Bible teaching that met women's needs, that was true to the Word. Now, for ten years, that's what our women have provided. Uh, I think the Apostle John would be really happy. To hear that his children today walk in truth. Now let's get to Paul. Paul's the main verse that we want to look at today. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. You've already heard it, but let me read it again. Paul said, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Make my joy complete, some translations say, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, when we read that passage, we usually jump straight to my three points that are on your handout. We go to the last part of the passage. Here's what you do. Paul says, do this, do this, and do that. Now, let's make sure we're hearing what he says today. Let's make sure we understand where he's coming from before we get to the three points. Look at that first part. He says, so if, if there's any encouragement in Christ, you're in Christ who he's writing to. He says, if you get any encouragement out of that, if you get any comfort from his love, if you get any participation from the Spirit, if you have any affection, any sympathy by being in Christ, well, complete my joy by doing this. So what he's saying in that first part of the passage is, have you got any benefit from being in Christ Any of you that he's writing to or any of you that I'm talking to, have you got any benefit from being in Christ? Well, yeah. 
I mean, we could list those for hours. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. He said, if you've gotten any benefit, then do this. Reminded of a story of Benjamin Franklin. He wrote a letter to a man named Benjamin Webb one time. We have a copy of that letter, so we know what he, his style was. And he, he, Mr. Webb was in financial trouble. He couldn't pay his bills. He was hurting financially. And so Franklin wrote him this letter and enclosed a sum of money. Not a big sum of money, but a sum of money. And he said in the letter, I'm not giving you this. I don't intend to give you this money. I'm lending it to you. He said, I want you to take this money, and at some point in the future, your business is going to turn around. Things will get better. You'll have some success. You'll be able to pay your debts. And he said, when that day comes, when you're able to pay your debts, don't pay me back. Don't pay me back. I'm lending you this, but don't pay me back. I want you to wait until you find an honest man who is in need and then lend it to him. You do the same thing that I did for you. And then Franklin wrote this. He said, I'm not rich enough to do much for people. But this is my trick for doing a great deal with a little money. I've done this for you. Now do the same for others. That's a pretty good principle there. I think that's what Paul's saying. Not in financial terms, but in spiritual terms. Paul says, if Christ has done anything for you, if you've gotten anything out of that, then make my joy complete. If you've got any encouragement, if you've got any comfort, if you've got any help from the Spirit, if you've got any affection, if you've got any sympathy, then I know you're in Christ, Paul says. I know you're going to heaven, and I'm glad about that. But make my joy complete by living this way. Make my joy complete by... Now we're ready for the three points. Here's what we do to make the apostles' joy complete. Number one, he says, or actually number two in my list, the first thing he says is to be one. Be unified if you want to write that down. But be one. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Any organization, any cause, any event, any organism to function has to be one, has to be unified. The more unified it is, the better it works. The less unified it is, the more disunity there is, the more mess it is. That's one of the secrets to conference, folks. The folks that work on it are unified. I uh, Last night, when conference wrapped up, when the last song had been sung and people were exiting, I happened to be backstage and there was kind of a collective deep breath. Everybody that was back there and had been working so hard for two days just kind of took a deep breath and there were a few tears around too. And I listened very closely 
And I did not hear one person say, I did it. Didn't hear that. Not a person. They hugged each other and said, we did it. That's the kind of unity that Paul's talking about. That's what he's saying here. You've got to be one. That makes my joy complete. When you see a purpose and work toward that purpose and you're one of mind and of love and of full accord and you've got that one mind. Now, I'm not saying that all the people that work on this for so long and so hard and get so tired that there's not a little drama every once in a while. That happens occasionally, but it's over quickly. At the end of the day, at the, at the end of the week, we're, we're back on track. Folks get a little crossways sometimes for some reason, but at the end of the day, what's our purpose? Our purpose is to provide a world-class women's conference for all the women that are coming from places we don't know. And we're going to do that. They are one in mind. They have the same love. They're in full accord about what they want to do. Next thing Paul says is complete my joy by doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I can paraphrase that to say be unselfish. First, be one, be unified, and then be unselfish. That will make my joy complete. Being unselfish is hard. It might be the hardest thing humans have to do. I think being selfish is the main cause of almost every problem and every sin in the world. Being selfish. So being unselfish is very hard for humans. But Paul said, that'll make my joy complete if, if you don't be selfish. I read a great story once about Leonard Bernstein, the, directed the New York Philharmonic and wrote symphonies and wrote Broadway music and all that. His obituary said he was one of the most talented and successful musicians in American history. Famous, successful in the musical world. Some reporter supposedly asked him one time, said, Mr. Bernstein, uh, what instrument in the orchestra is the most difficult to play? Leonard Bernstein said, second fiddle. He said, I can get a whole lot of first violinists. They're easy to find. But to find someone who plays second fiddle... With enthusiasm. That's hard. That's a problem. Conference is staffed and operated and run and produced by nothing but second fiddles. And third fiddles and fourth fiddles and right on down the line. One secret of why it works. One thing that makes Paul happy, I think. Uh, very few, uh, there are a few that get some limelight for a while. They're, they're up on stage and seen and recognized and applauded for and, and all of that, but not many. As I was thinking how to illustrate this, I thought uh, the concert 
was a good microcosm of this. At one part, uh, part of the concert, toward the end, uh, there were 11 people on stage performing. Now, 10 of them were, were dressed in black, and the spotlight wasn't on them. They blended in. You couldn't really see them. They were back there in the background, but out in front there was one who had a spotlight on her. And she got a little acclaim, a little applause and all of that. But those ten back there made her sound better. And their whole purpose in life was to make her sound better. They didn't get any recognition. She she recognized them briefly. Was gracious to do that, but the crowd didn't. Yeah, backup singers. That's what Paul's talking about here. Be backup singers. Be second fiddles. The spotlight was in front on somebody, but everybody else was backing them up. Now, coincidentally, after the conference, people were leaving and all that. I was dressed in black too. I kind of like to blend in with the men in black and act like I'm doing something. But I, <laughs> I was dressed in black, and a group of women stopped to ask me something or where to put their surveys or something, so I told them. And one of them looked up and said, Did I see you up there singing? I looked around, there were no Northsiders in the area. <laughs> Nobody knew. So I said, well, yes, ma'am. <laughs> How'd I sound? No, I didn't. Not really. I said, no, ma'am, that's not even funny, really. Uh, the point is, if, if I had that attitude, I wouldn't be a very good background singer, would I? If I was looking for recognition, if I wanted people to recognize me, uh, I wouldn't be very good at it. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than others. All right, the last thing he said to make him... Completely joyful. He said, complete my joy by, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I summarize that by saying, serve others. Be one. Be unselfish. Serve others. That's how you make his joy complete. That's how you make an apostle happy. How do you measure service? Now, that's a hard thing to do. Well, he, he describes it. He says, look not only to your own interests, but to others. Do things for other people, even if it's hard on you. Don't just think about your interests. You remember one time Jesus was telling the Jews about the Romans could make them walk a mile? And he said, if they make you walk a mile, go ahead and walk two miles. Just, just serve them. Be kind of unusual. That's what Christians do. Yeah, most of you know who the men in black are. They work at conference behind the scenes. They do anything, everything, set up, tear down, serve lunches. They do it all. Uh, but they dress in black and they're 
unobtrusive. They're in the background. Uh, and they go hard for a few days. Uh, one of our men in black this weekend was, I, I attribute it to bad judgment, but he wore a pedometer to see how far he walked. I didn't think that was very bright at all, but he did. You couldn't guess what his pedometer said at the end of the weekend. He walked 30 miles. 30 miles. Uh, Do you know anybody you'd walk 30 miles for? That's amazing. He walked 30 miles, and the other men in black, probably pretty close to it, they did that for others, 1,400 of them, they didn't know. They didn't know who they were, where they were coming from. What their needs were. But they were not counting their own interests. They were looking to the interests of others. Now, conference does a whole lot of good for Northside. It's it's a great event. It does a lot for Northside. We have grown up some amazing servants at Northside because of conference. It develops people. But that's just kind of a side benefit. Conference is for the hundreds of women who come, and their families, and their churches, and their future generations, who we do not know and will never know. Now, if that isn't not looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others, I don't know what is. Hearing stories and reading through this stack is going to be fun, because you'll see some of it personified, but that's why... those that serve at conference do it. Uh, most of you have been here long enough to be familiar with the term under rowers. Some of you are new, and let me just briefly explain. We use that term around here some, under rowers. Uh, it's the word that Paul used in the, the Greek. It's the word he used in 1 Corinthians 4.1 when he said, think of us as servants. What he said was, I'm an apostle. You know that. Yeah, I'm Pretty big deal, actually, if you want to think about it. But don't think of me that way. Think of me as an under rower, is the word he used. It's not just the word for servant or slave or anything like that. It's a specific word, a naval term. A Roman warship had the deck where the captains and navigators and all the big shots were. And then they had three levels of rowers. Three different decks where people pulled the oars, and they were the propulsion system. The first deck was pretty good duty. You had a little sunshine, you got some fresh air, it wasn't bad, you could see what was going on. Second deck was down a little lower, and it was a little tougher. But still, you got some breeze through there, and it wasn't bad, and you kind of knew what was happening. The third level was way down in the hold, right above the water level. Dark and stinky and hot and humid, no air circulation. And the word for those guys was under rowers. They were at the very bottom. So that's what Paul's saying. He said, Yeah, I'm an apostle, but what I want you to think of me is I'm an under rower for Christ. I, I just do what it takes to serve Him. 
conference requires dozens and dozens and dozens of underrowers. We would love to recognize them, but that's impossible. I don't even know who all the underrowers are. Uh, there's so many people doing so many things that I, I don't know how it all happens anymore. It just does. And if I could recognize them, do you understand that real underrowers wouldn't like it? Uh, they're not doing it for the recognition. They're doing exactly what Paul says makes his joy complete. They're not looking to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think that makes Paul real happy. I think conference would make both John and Paul really happy apostles. Now, I've applied a lot of this to conference, but it applies to everyone here. Paul's not writing it to conference volunteers. He's writing it to Christians. He says, if you've got any encouragement in Christ, if you've gotten anything from being in Christ, then make my joy complete by doing this. Be one. Don't be selfish. Serve each other. Serve others. Take that advice. Make joy, make Paul's joy complete. John has no greater joy than to hear you walk in truth, so walk in truth. If you're here this morning and not walking in truth, perhaps you're just visiting and don't know about Christ and about being in Christ and all the blessings in Him, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, If you know what you need to do and want to do that this morning, we'd be thrilled to help you. Maybe you need some prayers from our elders or something else. If you have any public need, we're going to stand and sing a song. We invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.